I'm Ryan Stegman, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Absolutely fine. This is what she said. Yep. She's pleased. She said so. Shook a little piece of chocolate on my pillow. At least I hope it was chocolate. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. You do hope it was chocolate. I ate it anyway. I didn't care. Of course you did. <laughs> it's like, ooh, candy. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a Thin Mint. That's for me. I like the Thin Mints. I do too. Yeah. Thin Mints and Samoas are my favorites. Samoas? Really? Yeah. Those are the girls. Yeah, the coconut with the caramel. Uh, yeah. Can't have either of those. Yeah, I'll see you later on the Samoas. All right, whatever, dude. I'm not, no. I'll get you boxes if you love them that much, but I won't eat them with you. No. Same here. You can have mine. It's tag-alongs for life for me. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Tag-alongs. Uh-huh. Grown-ass man. (laughs) Dude, tag-alongs are that that jam right there. Especially the cookie of the Eiffel Tower. (laughs) I'll take some do-si-dos, too. Don't think I won't. What's the driest shit you got? Don't put it. Man, do see be delicious, son. You got any, you got any sandpaper for I can rub on my tongue? <laughs> These is great. <laughs> Anybody got Damn, some water? Butters in the house. Oh, now nutter butters are great. That's re- what do see are. No, they're not real nutter butters. Nutter butters are no. They're oh yeah, my god, no, they're not. They're so much better. Are they shaped like a peanut? Then they're not better. <laughs> That's true. Okay. And we're shaped like all kind of peanuts, because this is 11 O'Clock Comics. What? Episode 562. And I am yeah. Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Hi-ya. Indeed you are. And I am Mr. Jeff. Is it in the peanut butter? Mm-hmm. Choosy moms choose. You like Jeff? Some people call, family. Or some people no. call it GIF, but... It is. It is just. No, people, people. <laughs> no, we're at, we are a Skippy household. That's yeah, a shame. Well, I think it's Skippy's Colin, good. It's all Colin will eat. He's very picky, Sorry. as you know, and he's uh, he his whole life will only eat uh, uh, low fat, uh, smooth or good creamy uh, Skippy. Good for him. I do know. Uh, well, the best peanut butter is up for debate, but the absolute worst is a certainty, and I know it. Price Chopper peanut butter is the absolute, <laughs> the absolute horrendous. I mean, oh, it's terrible! It doesn't even taste like peanuts. It tastes like I don't even know what Price Chopper is, but it sounds bad. Yeah, well, it's, it's a local it's chain. Thing. Yeah, and not they, that local, but yeah. The, okay, they have their 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 brand, the Price Chopper brand, and it's yeah, it's called Pick. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? Um, but the the peanut butter is horrendous. It, I wouldn't eat it even if I was starving. It's that bad. And I, uh-huh. I'm not picky at all. You but are that, not. that shit's nasty. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. You know what's not nasty? What this? Discount comic book service. Oh, you read about that. Because they serve up the most delicious reading material for you every month. It spreads so easy. It's not going mm-hmm. anywhere. And uh, for example, yo, yo, you can get from Albatross Funny Books. This is a new joint between Rafer Roberts. And Mike Norton, wow, it's called Grumble, number one of five. There's a pug in it, of course. The cover price is three ninety nine. Your price, 
$2.19. That's 45% off. From Image, Scotty Young, Jorge Corona. It's going to be big. You know it. Middle West, number one. Regular price, $3.99. Phenomenal art on this thing. DCBS price is $1.99. That's 50% off. And last but certainly not least, he'll kill you if you tell him that, it is the Savage Sword of Conan. Hardcover, hardcover original Marvel Years Omnibus. It's a very cumbersome title, but it's all true because it presents Savage Tales 1 to 5, Savage Sword of Conan 1 to 12, and the special from 1975. It's a mature reader's book. Roy Thomas, Barry Windsor Smith, Boris Vallejo did a cover, but you should pick the other one. Um, $100 cover price. It's respectable for a gigantic um, omnibus, and I'm, I hazard to guess that the price of Savage Tales number one in mint condition alone would be more than $100. So mm-hmm. you're, getting, you're getting a deal, but and it's severely undervalued. Savage Tales number one is way, way undervalued. Not only is it Marvel's first magazine, it's the first appearance of the Man-Thing, and you can get it in decent condition for like 60 bucks. That's stupid mm-hmm. cheap. Um, you can get this book stupid cheap too because it's only $50 at Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions. And you get your books all shipped right up to your home. Ding dong, my books are here. And you put them in on the side table and you open up your lounge chair and you read them and you have fun and you're happy and you're content. And all because of Discount Comic Book Service. What? Just go okay. there. Just go there. Be square. No, be no, be oblong. Be oblong. Yep, like a spud boy. <sighs> Word up, dude. I have a thank you, but we should do the the drink roll call first. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm dipping into the. We have a case of Yingling Lager in in the refrigerator, and I'm just drinking that. That all. sounds good. It's it's tasty. Yeah, it is. They sold their soul to the devil, but it's tasty. They did. That is true. And you are also right that it's tasty, which is why I was reluctantly drinking it last week and I was weak because I promised myself I wouldn't drink it anymore and I didn't keep to that promise, but say la vie. Um, in my defense, I didn't buy it. Someone oh, someone well. gave it, Someone gave us the case, so it's not like I actually, you know, bought it, but it's still in mm-hmm. my house. So Are you well. doing the Yingling again this week, Jason? No, I am. I am drinking Close to Los Siete this week. Another nice. another go to of mine. Indeed, the red table wine that I so adore. As you know, we do know. How about you, D A P? Uh, I am enjoying some Newman's own Common Good, one hundred percent profits. Uh, go to charity, and it's. It, I had it before, and I enjoyed it quite a bit, and it is still, I, I, I appreciate the consistency. This was not um, a bottle from a Bad Batch at all, so mm-hmm. quite good. Cabernet Sauvignon from California. Good. Sweet. Sauvignon. So I'm the odd man out. That's okay. I am brimming, brimming with excitement this week. Well, that's good. Everything I read was phenomenal. Everything. Well, that's great. That's how how often that's does that happen? Right. Yeah. But um, uh, my, my thank you comes from mm-hmm. a longtime listener, Ben Pierce, mm-hmm. uh, nestled within an illustrated envelope. He drew 
Vampirello for me on the uh, the address mm-hmm. label. And he also, in the note inside, drew all of the Magic the Gathering mana symbols in addition to, on the flip side, a man thing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. But what he it did... It is awesome. It is. But uh, the, the purpose of the package was to send me... He was on a hunt for all of Mike Plug's Magic the Gathering cards. And okay. while he hunted them down for himself, he hunted them down for me. Well, that's awesome of yeah, him. Yeah, so, I mean, I had about 40% of them, but some of them are foils, which I did not have, and some of them I just flat out didn't have at all. So now mm-hmm. I have all of Mike Plug's Magic the Gathering card um, art. And I will it's use... Incredible. Yeah, I'll use the red ones and the black ones and maybe the green ones, but anything white, that's just going to go in the binder. That's it. I don't play with no white. Oh, hails not. It's too too good for you. It's too timid. Like meaning meaning not evil. No, black is the color of choice. I know. We've talked about this before. Yes, but you want to win, you play black, black and red. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe a little splash of blue, but no. Very okay. rarely. All right. So, what? Uh, you guys have any thank yous? Uh, yep. Cool. Sure do. Uh, first up is Marcel Dupree, a longtime member of the EOC community, and uh, a, a writer and self-publisher. And the dude is hella prolific. So, uh, you know, he also does it right. Um, he, he does talk or post on the Facebook group about his comics, like when he's doing Kickstarter. But I appreciate him because he's not one of those people that comes in and we've never heard of him and he drops his Kickstarter and then leaves. He's always active in the group, so um, I think that's the right way to do it. And any who, he sent me a package this week with a bunch of his work. And it was a boatload of stuff. It was, let me see here, how many it is. Ooh. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, 12 comics, 12 comics. Um, And one thing I'll say about him is he has a very, very diverse set of of um, books that he's put out, ranging from supernatural to fantasy to like dark gods to tech to um uh, like sci-fi futuristic to superhero. And I uh, grabbed two of them today for my ride, knowing that uh, I was going to shout them out. And I read Delilah Blast number one, which was written by Marcel with uh, art by um, Joel Cotehar with colors by Ramon Berge. And I read The Gentleman, which was not written by him, but he published it, written by Greg Anderson and LZ, with art by Massimiliano Veltri and Marco Pagnotta. Um, and I have to tell you, you you guys know we get sent a lot of comics from people that are doing their own thing, um, and I'm always a little nervous about them, but uh, they were terrific. They're very well done, and I have to say, especially the art. Uh, not I mean, not to say that Marcel's writing isn't good, but you know, when when you're when you're self publishing. Um, it's it's hard to afford and find really high quality artists. Often you have to find 
newer artists who have some chops per se, but really haven't quite tightened up their sequentials. And in both cases, I had not heard of the artist, but I thought they did very, very good jobs. And these are well put together books, great professional lettering, excellent coloring, um, all around terrific stuff. So um, you can find his stuff at, um, uh, I believe it's the Italian word for evolution, E-V-O-L-U-Z-I-O-N-E, Evoluzione, publishing, Um Dot com or on Facebook backslash E-V-O-L-U-Z-I-O-N-E uh, publishing. So definitely check his stuff out. If, if you are active on our Facebook, you know it or you know Marcel. Um, but uh, if you're not, he is uh, very active on his own right in Facebook and I definitely commend you to give this uh, this stuff a try because this is a, a dude doing it right. Self-publishing his own stuff, putting his passion out there. So, um, so kudos to him for that. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. On, onward. Uh, yeah, I have two other shout-outs, but you want to save those? I can always do those later just, as we go. Just do them. Or you want to break well, it up first... with some shout-outs. It's up to you. Yeah, let's break it up. Let's okay. Up. All right. All right. Who wants to start the show? Well, you got all the good stuff, so I'm dying to hear it. I read over a 1,000 pages of comics for this episode. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Over a thousand. Wait, that's a lot, dude. I know, right? But uh, it was manga. So... Oh, uh, it doesn't count. It does count in that someone actually had to produce those thousand plus pages. But it manga does read uh, a bit more quickly than, uh, than uh, American comics. But uh, you want me to get into it? I will. I'll be glad to. I'll start with the Oops. biggest, the fattest, the thickest the mm, borderline dirtiest and it is written and drawn by Hiroa Oku and it's Gantz. Remember I told you about the Gantz? The Gantz, yes. I see it all the time in the previous solicits. Uh, oh man, this book. Um, uh, it's, it's pretty nasty stuff. Uh, the premise being uh, that well, I'll be honest. It, it contains things for which manga is both celebrated and vilified. The The best and the worst of manga is, is crawling through this 600-page volume. The, the best being phenomenal character designs, over-the-top, jaw-dropping action. The visuals are impeccable. Um, the the tech is beautifully rendered and believable and the 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 uh, figure drawing is impeccable but there's a preoccupation with boobies uh-huh. and and the naked female form and um the main character his name is K Corono he is just going into high school and the narrative actually feels like it was written by a, a an adolescent going into high school. There's a preoccupation with women. There's a preoccupation with sex or getting sex, even in the midst of maybe losing your life uh, again. And I'll explain that the, mm-hmm. the, the kid is thinking about the, the boobies and it all starts. He's waiting to get on a train and he's looking at a copy of young jump and the center spread is this beautiful beautiful japanese woman he's like man they don't have girls like that at my school look at the jugs on that and you know she's attractive right um so 
uh, he's standing on the platform, and he he judges. Kay judges people. He thinks he's above everyone. He's looking at this this guy, and he's like, "Look at that guy. He probably doesn't have a thought in his head. Uh, that girl, she's she's brain dead. I'm better than all these people." And and up walks to him a giant of a man, uh, Masaru Kato. And this is a, a he's around the same age, but uh, Masaru went to school with. K and then he transferred. So they grew up together and they played together and they have memories together, but they haven't seen each other in a while. So they're on the platform and Kay's trying not to. He's like, "Is that Masaru? Whoa!" Uh, and he's 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 mulling it over in his head. Meanwhile, this drunk guy comes stumbling onto the platform. He's all like, he's turnt, like wicked turnt, and he falls on the tracks. And everybody on the platform is looking at this this bum on the tracks. His head is literally on the rail of the track, mm-hmm. and he's 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 perpendicular to the tracks. And he, the dude's gonna die. He's it's obvious the man's gonna die. No one is doing anything to help him. The train's not coming. There's a there's a short amount of time before the train comes, so Masaru can't just stand by and let innocents be harmed he just can't that's the kind of guy he is he's shaking he's sweating he's like should i i i i have to and he jumps down and starts picking up the the bum and he's like so isn't somebody gonna help me and Kay's like mm-hmm, no no i'm not doing it not me no way eventually i don't know if it was the memory of of the time he shared with masaru but he k jumps down and he tries to help the the bum onto the platform but they're ultimately too late because they they see the train. They get the guy up on the platform. The, the bum is safe. Then they turn and they see the lights of the train. And they're like, oh, shit. And Masaru was like, well, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. If we start running and keep running, the train has to stop at the station. So maybe we can outrun the train to its extremity, right? We'll just maybe we can do that. And they're like, all right. And they're running and someone on the platform goes, you idiots, it's the express train. It doesn't stop here. And they are smashed by the train. Extremely gruesomely str- smashed. Their heads come flying off, body parts flying everywhere. Kay's head hits the platform and he's thinking while his head is spinning in the air. Like he sees Masaru's head unconnected or disconnected to his body with a little bit of spinal cord hanging out and the, the head is just tumbling in the air and Kay's looking at it and he's like wow that's that's wicked dude you know and his head smashes down and they both die dead but dead is not dead in Gantz because they are brought to the room with the black ball Gantz and they are I don't know if you've seen the the Netflix, the movie that's on Netflix. There's a laser that comes, and it's just like a, a 3D printer that it, it, it shapes their bodies from the, the ground up, and it just keeps, you know, twirling, and, and you see the body forming, but you see the interior of the body, too, as it's forming. And they, they find themselves in this place, and it's just like, and, and, and they're still mid-run when they materialize, and there's people there. There's a group already there, and they're like, "Oh boy, we have, we have companions now." And it, the the whole premise behind Gantz is these, the recently dead, 
are brought into the the game. It, the the Gantz ball, artificial intelligence, whatever you want to call it, forces these recently dead people to engage in a game. And it's not stated in this first volume, but I know because I watched the movie that if you get a certain amount of points, I believe it's 100, you can pick what you want to happen. You can leave the game, go back to the... You can be... You can respawn in the real world. And um, you could either save a dead companion, but none of that is, is in this. This is just basically you're playing the game whether you like it or not. What they don't know is they have bombs implanted in the middle of their brains. So should they stray too far away from the Gantz room, like they're allowed to go outside. Once the game starts, they have to go outside. And if you stray too far from the confines of the game, as determined by the Gantz, you will explode. There's this old guy that's one of the members when they get into the, the, the room and he's like, fuck this. I, I survived cancer. I, I, I died of cancer, and now here I am. No more pain, no more anything. I'm not doing this. And he walks off a little too far, and his head explodes. And it, again, mm-hmm. it's extremely gruesome. But um, So back in, in our world, or the part that's not connected to the Gantz control, the the people who witnessed the boys being dismembered suddenly forget. Like they're they're interviewing one of the the men and he's the one of the witnesses and he's like, yeah, I saw it. The, the kids exploded. There's no blood anywhere. There's no body parts anywhere. They weren't dragged by the train. There's no blood on the tracks. Nothing. All traces of these kids being killed by the train is now gone. And the the people who witnessed it are like questioning themselves. Did we really see that? Was it a hoax? Is this a TV prank? Is it a uh, mass um, um, hysteria? Is it a pro? You know what I mean? Like so, they don't know, and then so they just put it off. But the game begins. Uh, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is where it gets kind of puerile. Um, so, like I said, recently dead are transported for whatever reason to the game. There's a girl. And her name is Kei Kishimoto. And she committed suicide in the bathtub. Now, you're in the bathtub. You don't have any clothes on. And you're wet. So when she materializes in the room, she's au naturel. And (laughs) Kei's looking at this girl materialize. And uh, Oku focuses on the crotch region. And he focuses on the breast region like Kei is... Kay has bountiful assets. Let's just, she's a very skinny girl, but up top she has bountiful breasts. And they're, they're pushing on Kay, and she's not even materialized yet. And he's like, oh, yeah. And so she fully materializes, and he kisses her. And everybody's like, what the hell, dude, right? Um, she falls on the floor on her back, for, all displayed for everyone to see. Now, I didn't tell you, but there's two Yakuza among the um, people in the in the room. And they are, well, they're hardened criminals, right? They're used to doing and taking and getting whatever they want. And one of the guys takes K, the girl. Yes, K, the girl is the same name as K, the boy who died. Um, takes her into a room and he's going to rape her. And then, again, Masaru gets all fired up and goes and tries to beat the shit out of the... Um, 
the Yakuza guy, and that's when the Gantz ball activates. And he speaks. There, there's a, a jingle that starts when, when the game begins. And it's like, it's a new morning, a morning of hope. Like this goofy, sugary, sweet theme song that begins their, their death game, right? And the ball says, all of your old lives are gone. I will decide how to use your new lives. That's the way the cookie crumbles. And the ball doesn't speak. Text forms on the face of the ball. And he, the text is in, like, elite text. Like, like where's my where's dudes? Like, numbers for letters and, and symbols and stuff. So um, it, it's very, like, there could be a child behind this or a teen behind. We don't know yet. And um, the ball opens up. And this is where it differs from the movie. There's a man, um, maybe suffering from alopecia. I don't know. He has no hair on him at all. And he's hooked up to the inside of the ball. And he's oblivious to the outside world. The ball opens up these um, shelves, these rails pop out, and they're loaded with weapons and protective suits. And there's one guy there who has survived a number of games because he has um, 80 points when the game begins. Uh, Jachiro Nishi, he survived the game. So he has a plan like, I'm not going to tell any of these assholes how this game's, the game works because they're going to die, I'm going to live, and I get to continue and probably leave the, the game. So they're all like, what is this? What's going on? And he won't go into specifics he doesn't tell them to put the power suits on the power suits protect you he has his on underneath his clothes but he doesn't tell any of his companions in quotes to put the power suits on because he wants them to die right and he has this invisibility uh trigger that he's basically out of the fight until the very end and then he comes in and just cleans up he's like a an ebay sniper you know you don't see him until the very end when he comes in and he'll just boom and I win and he gets the points. But um, so they go into the game and um, K manages to put his power suit on. And the object of their, the target of the game is an onion alien. That, that's what he's, his, his name is onion alien. And he, the, the, it's, it's somewhat humanoid, but he looks like an onion. His hair, he looks like Bart Simpson. Like an onion, right? And they're they're like, we have to kill this kid. This is going to be easy. So so they go in. Kay puts the power suit on, and the other ones don't have it. Little by little, they all die, because once they kill the kid onion, that that wasn't the real goal. Kid onion had a daddy onion, and this massive monster of a guy in a trench coat, kind of like Marv from Sin City, like he's huge hulking dude with an onion head. And um, if you want to see just how beautiful the rendering is on this guy's face, I'm putting images from this, as usual, in the gallery on 11oclockcomics.com. Long story short, Kay survives because he has the power suit on. The, the guy grabs him on the head and he's slamming away at Kay after slamming Masaru. Masaru is, quote, dead. And that freaks Kay out. So he's, he's slamming Kay on the head, and he's like, ah, you idiot. You, you can't do anything to me. And he, the, his, the, the invisibility guy, Jochiro, uh, eventually kills him. So they, they go back, and they're all wondering. They're, they're all pissed off and sad because um, 
Masaru's died, but he didn't die uh, because he's a hero. He can't die, right? We can, but not in this one. But then that's where – so they get to go back to their lives. But what they don't know is when they're brought into the game, they're carbon copies of their old selves. It's not fully explained in the first volume, but I'm getting the impression that their old selves, that body is gone. It's dead. And upon the moment of death, they're duplicated because when Kay goes back to her parents and she, her parents really want nothing to do with her. They, they don't pay her very much attention. And um, the mother forces her to do things she doesn't want to do, like go to this school, do this for the rest of your life. And she just want to, doesn't want to do it. Hence the reason why she killed herself. Um, her old self, she wasn't successful in killing herself. The ball doesn't always get it right. So now there's two Ks running around. And this girl has nothing to go back to because she's already there. So she asks Kay, the boy, to stay with him. And she says, I'll be your pet. And that's where it gets a little goof, a little weird, a little uncomfortable. That's where it gets weird? Yeah, that's where, that's where it gets a little uncomfortable. Because he has he's a virgin. He's he's never you know, he fantasizes about doing it with women, especially a gorgeous woman like this. So he's feeling her up, you know, and she's like, Well, you don't do that to pets, do you? And he's like, No, but you scratch pets and you you pet pets and she's like, Oh, go ahead. So he's like feeling her up and stuff and he wears the power suit to school to get him out from under the the bullies and stuff and it's like i said the whole thing is written from a an adolescent perspective like these are goals and desires that i and as as an adult don't have right but the the monsters are amazing and another um thing that may or or may not set you know people off the chapter breaks and there are many because this is a long-running serialized manga. It ran for, I believe, 13 years um, in Weekly Young Jump from July 2000 to August 2013. The um, the chapter breaks feature the female K um, naked. Like, she'll have a portion of the power suit on, just the top, so you see the underboob, and, like, everything else is just on display. She'll be on a motorcycle naked with the the top of the power suit on she's she's there's a dog involved in this the dog has a power suit right i'm guessing the dog is a human that the gantz ball didn't get right and it was brought back as a dog because the dog when she materializes in the room the dog starts licking her crotch like the dog sticks its face <laughs> in her crotch and it won't leave her alone she's like stop it um but so yeah i mean you take I don't think it's bad, but there are many people that would think um, this, some of the content in this is offensive and or bad. The the Gantz ball has pet names for all the participants. He calls Kay, the woman, tits. Breasts are too ginormous, went around with no underwear for too long. He calls uh, Kato, Mr. Kato. And if you're in on the inside joke... When Star Trek originally ran in Japan, Sulu was called Mr. Kato. 
So that's a, mm-hmm. the, it's the ball trying to be funny. And it says, oh, Mr. Kato, you made such a good effort, you almost died. Uh, we get to Nishi, who only got three points for the win. Uh, total of 90 points, 10 more to go. Corono, that's K, the boy, gets zero points because he was staring at tits, made your dick too hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing stuff. But I am not uh, ashamed to say that I love every page of this thing. Well, I'm, that's clear. I'm an unabashed fan of this series. The only problem, th- there's a slight, slight, slight problem if you read this first omnibus, uh, which contains the first three volumes of the manga. There's a total of 37 manga volumes for this series, which roughly translates, if we go three volumes per omnibus, you're in for at least 13, maybe 14 um, volumes, all of which are priced at twenty four ninety nine. I mean, DCB Service had it for much less than that. Um, you can get it for like 15 bucks, which is in line with the average volume of one volume of manga. So it's a deal, right? But it is just absolutely spectacular. The, the visuals are amazing. The backgrounds are, are just standard CAD um, scenery. Um, it, I don't really focus too much on the backgrounds anyway because they're not the, the, party, the part of the story with which I'm most engaged. And mm-hmm. that, that's the figure drawing. It's just impeccable. It's amazing. Just utterly amazing. The power suits are phenomenal. They ripple when they activate. It looks like uh, an H.R. Giger uh, landscape. It's all twisted and veiny. It's just amazing. Check it out if you have the time. Gantz Omnibus Volume 1 by Hiroya Oku. It's phenomenal. It's just That's the word. It's just amazing. I'm in. Hmm. I'm in for the duration. There, there's a movie. There's a an anime series there's their spin-offs Gantz G um I mean it's a big big franchise there's a there's toys and PVC figures and hentai well this is borderline well it's not this is kind of hentai too um you can get a lot of different things merch from Gantz if you enjoy the series there are a lot of things to mm-hmm. spend your money on is what I'm saying nice love it good for you dude I blew Nothing through it. Nothing gets you fired up like a, like a new manga. I know, right? I blew through it, and then I read other stuff, and then I went back, and I read it again. Wow. Yep. I love it. Damn. Right? Dude, speaking of power suits. What that? PlayStation 4 released <laughs> a video game entitled Spider-Man oh, yeah? last week. I may have and seen it has that. been the talk of the video gaming world. Spoderman. And I say speaking of power suits because one of the main aspects of the game is that you can, throughout the course of the game, unlock up to 31 different spider suits. Wow. Each with its own look and abilities. And uh, I don't have much time in uh, my ripe old age to play video games. Maybe one a year I'll get into. But... Um, I did buy this one, and I have to tell you, it is phenomenal. Looks good. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It's it's incredible. It, it is so much fun. Uh, just just swinging around doing Spider-Man things is fun, even if you're not trying to accomplish anything. 
but the game is just the right mix of action, but it's not too hard because I got old man skills and a lot of the games that my kids play, including Fortnite, just seem too busy to me. Just, just, yeah. just too much. Yep. And this is not like that. There are missions you can accomplish the missions with. You do, there's plenty of fighting, but the fighting is never overwhelming. You know, if 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 you get the hand of the basic mechanics, you can pretty much win any fight. Um, and it's another one of those things where uh, it's like an old school video game. So if you're in the middle of a fight and you die, you can just it pick up where you left off. Oh, so thank you're not, goodness. Yeah, so you're not like having to redo a half hour's worth of playing the game. So it's uh, it's it's just an absolute delight. It is truly a delight. The 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 the, the unexpected aspect of it was that being Peter is as important as being Spidey. There's a ton of components to the game and and part of the broader narrative of you being Peter and interacting with uh with uh, you know a lot of the people that you would have associate with him in the comics but but uh, some interesting twists they they it's it's incredibly true to form in terms of the mechanics and the powers but they definitely treat it much like the movies do in that it's its own continuity so in this instance um Peter is works for and is an intern for Dr. Octavius. And he's he's at least to this point in the game that I've played, he's a good guy. But but they're certainly hinting that something's going to happen that's going to turn him into Doc Ock. But I haven't seen that yet. Um, Norman Osborn is the mayor. Um, Jay Jonah used to be a newspaper man, but is now a podcaster. Which is funny. Oh, that, <laughs> that's kind of close to the way it went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's super awesome because anytime you complete a mission, and then you're just back in the open world, fly, uh, swinging around doing whatever, Jay Jonah will cut in, and it'll be a narrative about the mission that you just did with a with a typical Jay Jonah uh, twist where he's blaming Spider Man for it. You know, like, oh, did you hear about that 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 bomb threat in in over at the Empire State Building? Well, well, well. Guess who destroyed a million dollars worth of property in the process? That no good Spider-Man. It's just so it's it's just so well done. Um, there's all kinds of different uh, bonus components. So it's 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 like an open-ended game where there is a main story that you could just I assume whip through in probably a handful of hours if if that's your inclination. But you certainly wouldn't get as much out of the game that way. Um, but then there are all kinds of little things like um, Harry Osborn is there's a bunch of research cubes posted all around the city and you go in them and they're they're basically little quests and Harry narrates them and the conceit was that his mom was a scientist and was had all these experiments that were backed by Oscorp to help do good for the world and uh, you have to kind of go and help enable them or keep them going. Um, you'll be just swinging around the city and you'll get a You'll see a red flashing alert. You'll hear a dispatch, police dispatch, saying you know, "robbery in place at this." And you you go there, and there's there's you know an armed robbery going on. That you have to thread, or there's there's uh, people stuck in a burning building that you have to save, or there's uh, a, a a terrorist has planted bombs, and you have to go find the bombs and disable them. Um, sometimes there's stealth missions where they have hostages, and if they hear you, they'll kill the hostages. So you have to sneak around using your spidey powers and and take the guys down one by one using webbing and stuff. It's just amazing. It's, it's truly, truly amazing. And the most amazing part of it really is that this thing is an, 
a, a building for building map of, of, of Manhattan. It's insane. Like it's, it's, you're swinging around, you're really swinging around Manhattan. It's, 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 it's Manhattan. It's Is the same Mid- buildings. Midtown comics. In it? Um, I don't think Midtown Comics. No, I haven't seen Midtown comics, but there are, um, one of the things you can do to get bonus points is landmarks, which is basically there are 51 different landmarks that you can, um, because you're Peter Parker, you also always have a camera on you. You can find the landmarks and pull up your camera and take a photo of the landmark. And if you do that, you get bonus points. Um, and the landmarks are, many of them are real Manhattan landmarks from, you know, Rock Center, Empire State Building, Brooklyn Bridge, uh, MoMA. But then there are MCU um, uh, landmarks thrown in like Avengers Tower and um, just you know uh, the, the Empire Empire University uh, it just different things like that so it's it's just a, a blast so it's, it's a super well done really thoughtful amazingly fun game that uh, it, this is not like a Fallout or a Final Fantasy that's going to take you 150 hours to do you know I would say all and you probably 25 30 hours and you've You've, you've played the whole thing out, um, and uh, and the costumes are a hoot, man. I mean, it's 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 amazing. What I didn't realize with the costumes um, until yesterday, they're all from the comics. I, I didn't yeah. realize that PD had had so many freaking costumes over the years, but they are all from the comics. So, well, because but but you also get things like Spider Man Noir, and, yeah, 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 and so I mean, so even though that may not technically be the the six one six or something you would have seen in slots or Michelinis or Stern's runs that, yeah, if, if it was a Spider-Man character at any point in time, then, then this would be in the game, which Correct. is very cool. But what's interesting is at least to date, I haven't seen it. I had, I don't, there is not a venom suit. There's not a black and white suit. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty weird. Um, Mr. Negative is one of the big villains. Yeah, I remember seeing that when they uh, yeah, that's they in the free trailer so last not, year. Yeah. yeah, not spoiling anything. That's in the trailer, but uh, it's 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 that's just like the comic. Aunt um, Aunt May is working it at uh, at feast, okay. At the shelter and and Mister Lee is running the feast, but but he's he's secretly a gangster. Um, Wilson Fisk's another one of the big bads, of course, and um, I haven't fought. I know that at some point you have to fight all the members of the Sinister Six. I haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, there's a, a side mission that you don't have to do, but I did where you end up fighting Tombstone, which is super cool. Huh. Uh, and you really, you pretty much have to beat him multiple times, and then you have to, you have an antidote, which takes the, and you have to, you have to basically get around and get on top of him and grab him by the neck and try and get the antidote, him to breathe in the antidote so that he becomes mortal, and then you have to beat the shit out of him. Um, there's a uh, taskmaster. Once you get to a certain enough level taskmaster pops up and he gives you these challenges to do. And if you do enough of the challenges, first of all, you have to do the challenges because they, they're, um, they give you tokens and those tokens are vital to unlocking some of the costumes. Um, but once you do the challenges, he shows up to challenge you and beats your ass. At least he beat my ass. I don't know. If he, I guess theoretically you could beat him. I don't know how because he pretty much countered everything I did. But then as I understand it, I think later on you get to fight him again and I assume I have a better chance of beating him. But uh, it's yeah, it's a total blast, man. It's, it's, it is a real treat. You guys would, I mean, especially, I mean, I like Spider-Man, but you guys love Spider-Man. It, it, would, it would be an absolute blast. I don't think either of you have PlayStation 4s, but. I got one. Um, yeah, oh, you do? I wasn't sure. I thought you guys said the Xbox. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So, I mean, get Vinny it for Christmas or something and then, and then play it for a little bit. It's just a hoot. I'll get it for Vinny. Yep. Well, I don't think you're much of a mm-hmm. gamer, right? But oh, I like playing games, yeah. But I have, oh, a, I have a stack that I have to get through, and that's why I didn't buy it. Because, I, I mean, I'm four or five games behind on Final Fantasy, and I have .hack that's waiting for me. Like, I have a ton of games. It's just that, like you said, when do we get a chance to play them? I do like the role-playing better than the action games, though. No, me too. This is not the kind of game I would normally buy. I, this is not, I'm not generally uh, an action gamer, but this is just enough RPG stuff, just enough puzzle solving that it's a nice balance so that the fighting is, is not tedious. Right. Most, most of the fighting you can opt out of if you don't feel like it because it's just to help level you up. And when you do have a big battle, like I said, the fact that you don't have to redo 20 minutes of work if you die makes it much, much more palatable. Yeah, that's a game killer for me. Absolutely. Same, same. And that's an old man thing. I know my kids laugh at me with that, but I, I'm, not, I'm, not trying about, I'm not trying to do 30 minutes of stuff over and over and over again. Right. So Unless it's masturbating. Yeah. Well, that fair yeah, point. Sure. So that, it's, a, it's a two massive thumbs up for Spider-Man PS4. And, and I know people lament that it's a PS4 exclusive, but uh, say love Whatever. That's, I mean, the exclusives, I mean, everybody, I, I remember when, when Halo was a thing. And I mean, it, it's like, so I didn't, if people didn't have an Xbox, what were you going to do? Yeah, it's like, yeah. So you just, it's, 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 like, it's just, that's the way, it's the same thing with movies. I mean, you know, you got, yep. you got your Best Buy, your Target exclusives, if you want to buy the Blu-ray and shit, it's like, you know, it, it's yeah. just, it's the way of the world now. There, but, needs, I, um, there needs to we, be. We, we had Xbox, what's that? There needs oh, to be sorry. exclusives. I mean, yeah, they need them to help. Mar- Marvel yes. has Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, and DC mm-hmm. has Superman and Batman. Like that's just the yeah. way it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we, we were an Xbox house. We had Xbox and X, Xbox 360 and Xbox One. Um, and then when the last Final Fantasy game came out, I got the PlayStation because I, I had, I was dying to play it. And um, so yeah, so pretty much the only games I've played on the PlayStation have been exclusives. I guess now that I think about it, just because. Uh, Otherwise, we do the Xbox because the kids prefer that. But I've I've had my uh, I've had the PS3 for a few years. I have a few games for it. Mm-hmm. I use it as a Blu-ray player. I use it for uh, the streaming services mostly. But um, I figured to make up for um, my lackluster birthday weekend, I'm going to treat myself to a PS4 for Hanukkah and and oh, the, Hanukkah. the Spider-Man game so it'll be a yeah, couple will they have a get it for spider-man bundle the fuck out of here really yeah oh, it's sweet. in fact it's it's actually a i believe it's a red with the spider-man logo ps4 oh motherfucker okay yeah yeah so i would i would i would imagine it would knowing how those things work i wouldn't be surprised if that is one of those black friday packages for some places you know so it's a good time to hold out for it because you'll get a deal i'm sure nice Yes, and one of the shout-outs while we're at it is a Kickstarter from our good friend Jay Gonzo. Yep. And that is, um, it is La Voz de Mayo Tata Rambo. Lengthy name, but it is, uh, I believe it is a, well, no, I believe it is a historical comic, uh, a resident, a resonant neglected slice of American history uh, is told for the first time in graphic novel format, featuring art by Jay Gonzo Gonzalez, edited by Claire Napier, and script and lettering by Henry Barajas. Uh, 
It is the story of Tata Rambo, uh, a.k.a. Ramon Yorige, and um, I guess his uh, his journey as a soldier through World War II and his life before and after. So um, I know it's a project very near and dear to Gonzo, and we all, of course, are huge fans of Gonzo's artwork. So um, you can find the campaign at kickstarter.com. Uh, I think the easiest way is to just type in Lavo's L-A, uh, L-A space, space V-O-Z and find it. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's lots of different options. I, I backed the, the the comic version, just the comic, not just the, but I backed the comic, the, the print version of the comic. There's digital version, print version. You can get uh, goodies thrown in. You can get uh, art from Gonzo from the book. You can get commissions from Gonzo. All kinds of, of, of different tiers, but... Uh, but uh, give it, give it a, you know, give it a peep. He's uh, Gonzo's our boy, and uh, you know, I haven't seen him do a comic other than his own fantastic Lamano del Destino in a, in a long time. So it's good stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what else do we have here? Speak on it, Dad. I read the second issue of Crowded. Same this week. Um. And I am still quite um, enamored with this book. The it was it. I like that. Um, it it was a it was a second issue that that really just kind of moved the story along. It 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 kept the pace going. Yes, it picks up immediately after the first issue when uh, Charlie made a bit of a flub by uh, using a cell phone to, to, to get some information and of course that allowed people who are um, after her trying to cash in on that campaign uh, to find her and um, it also uh, cost Vita something but it's um, I like that we got a little bit more on Vita the, the, the second issue Whereas the first issue brought us into this world and, and told us about these um, these crowdfunding apps, um, and we got to know Charlie, this issue, Charlie was still there. Charlie was very present, but um, the focus was primarily, for me, on Vita. Um, we saw her in action. We um, got a little bit of, uh, of her network similar to uh, Sherlock's posse. We got the, um, uh, we notice she's a nerd or geek. She, she likes her comics. She, she hits the comic shop every week for her books. Um, and we got a little bit more on, uh, or, or just, we, we got a little bit on her, her personal life and, uh, and, and loves lost. We'll say the, the art by Rose Stein and um, Ted Brandt, Still looks good. There are definitely some places where uh, the art reminds me very much of uh, of Mike Norton, and and that is not not a bad thing at all. We get a little bit of um, we meet some other defenders, and uh, this is nothing. Everything moved at a really good clip for me. I, I it it really kept. At no point did I. Did my mind wander, or or did I think that someone was introduced as um, 
as filler. It just it it everything I felt uh, served a purpose. Whether it was just the the crew at the beginning of the issue who were uh, who were trying to cash in, and um, or or the other two defenders that uh, that we see at the club. Um, but what's I don't want to say what's bugging me because it's it it's bugging me in the sense that it's supposed to. Um, it, Charlie is definitely hiding something. She is not on the up and up. She is not coming clean with Vita at all. And and whether that's just because she needs to keep things close to the vest because she's not sure really what's going on or who to trust. Uh, she also does things that while she may be thinking it's to save her skin, it's also putting them both at risk. And um, it's, it's very, whereas it would be very easy for me to kind of write Charlie off and, and just say, you know, but you deserve what you get. I, based on, on this world, I can kind of understand why she's doing what she's doing and and she has a really um there's a bit of a heart to heart there, there there's a nice little opening up there's a conversation she has with vita towards the end of the issue um in a hot tub where uh she's she's just she thought she was a good person and if she's the million dollar girl if so many people are after her put a cap in her ass then then maybe she isn't as good as she thinks she is and um that's that can be tough to to take and and it's it was a really quiet moment in in an issue where a lot kind of went on um but then then they do things like they're they're out i mean yes they're 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 I'll call it a safe house because I want people to read it. But, you know, they're, they're out there hanging out and there's an eye in the sky. And it's like if, if you're trying to keep your person safe and and you're supposed to be on the lookout and on guard 24-7, being outside like that where where, where drones can be flying by, that that just that that seems a little lazy. It's like I, you're not off the clock. So I, I don't know really why. You would think it would be okay to to just kind of let your guard down, um, and then the last page introduces um, two other characters who are looking to uh, get rich. But overall, I thought it was a um, I, I just I really really liked the issue. It was it was actually it was the very first thing I read as far as new comics yesterday, and. Um, yeah, I, I was quite happy with it. I we talked about the first issue, and and uh, I'm still really enjoying it. Between the story, between the idea, the concept of it all, uh, we we get some some backstory on uh, on how Defender works, um, and it's almost like it's double jeopardy. Where it's it's it, if you survive a campaign, then that's it. You know, you're, you're free and clear. Nobody can put a hit out on you. Um, again, but, uh, you know, it's a 50, 50 chance. It's, it's a gamble, you know, but it, it, 
obviously you're not putting the hit out on yourself, but it's still, um, which the way, you know, Charlie's acting and the way my mind works sometimes, but the conversation she's having, it's, um, I don't, it, it's the way things are playing out. Normally I would think, you know, this is like if she was dying of cancer or something and she wanted to give the money to somebody, uh, as a life insurance policy, then, uh, I could see her putting a hit out on herself, but I don't, um, the way the story is playing out, it, it would be, um, I don't see it happening in that way, but it's, um, yeah, I, I absolutely, um, I'm still in love with the crowded. Nice. Yeah. I enjoyed it very much. Um, I like the backstory. I like learning about Vita's situation. I liked learning about Reaper and how it came to be. Um, I, I thought the last page introduction was enticing. Yes. Uh, the one note I had, though, is that I have to be honest and say that I thought Rostein's art, uh, well, Rostein and Ted Brandt's art took a big step back this issue. I thought it looked much less tight as though she was rushed. There were some, but, and yes, they're, they're I agree with you. Um, and I appreciate the shortcuts when, when Vita was explaining how she got the house. And so that was kind of made a very Disney-esque almost paper doll type animation. Uh, but then when we get to the club, uh, there was a little bit more detail there than there were in other pages. But you're absolutely right. When they were at the comic shop um, talking to the hackers, th- the lines were a little sparse there. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but but overall, it's it's it is still it's a very entertaining book and and unique, unique. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Chris Sabella is an interesting guy. Um, Vince, I I, I must ask because I don't know if you guys talked about this while in one of the episodes I wasn't here because I haven't listened to them yet. Um, yet. Did, well, no. I, I I unlike you, I do listen to most of our episodes. But, okay. Uh, um, did you talk about House of Muck already? We did. Yes. Would it just okay? Well, then I'll listen to the episode. Yeah. Well, I read I, it this week. That's why I loved it. I assumed. Yes. I assumed. It, it's hella weird. It is. <laughs> um, I, I since you guys talked about it, I won't go into it much, but I will say that I did enjoy it. I did. I I very much liked the art, but I was also shocked. I had to triple check that it was Sean McManus that drew it. Yeah. Really? Because this is not the Sean McManus from the Cinderella books. He has opted for a much different style for this book. And that's fine. As I said, I don't think it's bad. It's not, it's not for the worse, but it's very different, I think, than the Cinderella work. Yes, um, but it's not. It, it is different from the, the fable stuff, but it's not entirely different from other books on which he's worked. Mm, and I, I'm, I not gonna, I don't, I'm not going to compare it to Omega Man because this is definitely not the same Sean McManus that worked on Omega right. Man. Sure, right. but it's it's. I mean, that loose style that he has developed over the years. Um, I there, I can't remember. That's why I'm not naming the book because for the life of me, mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it was. But I he has gone down this road on other titles. Right. Um, I like but it. It's, I think it's, it's it's trippy because it's <laughs> um, it, it is fascinating to to portray a family as a seemingly normal loving family, but they also happen to be tinfoil hat believers in every conspiracy and, and are going on essentially a a murder and mayhem spree in, 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 in 
combating that. So I don't know. Do you think it's all in this girl's head? Do you think it's happening and there's more to it? Do you, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to, to figure out if, if, if it's reality or not. Well, beyond for, judging from what we've seen in the first issue, the, the, the men in the red hats, the red, the red hoods, um, there could be something to the parents, the claims of the parents. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think they're entirely crazy. Do they need to kill people? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We don't really know what all that was about. What did they take from that from that man? We don't know. An organ, right. something? It, it, it's going to play out. But as, for right now, I'd have to say I'm 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 torn. I'm I'm kind of in in the camp of you know I got to get myself away from these these crazies. But there's information and events that lend one to believe that something really strange is going on. The parents may, but they got their information from the internet, which is not always that reliable. Huh. You know, so I don't know. We'll see. I, any either way, I think it's a cool premise that the Sibylla forces you to to wonder, like who's. Who's on the ball here? Is it the kid or the parents? Like, we don't know. Right. I like it. It reminded me in a way of that classic Twilight Zone episode where the girl is bandaged up and she was she was operated on to fix her deformities. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, she takes the bandages off and she's beautiful. And we think, oh, it worked. And then the doctor's horrified and it pans back and everybody else is disgusting and deformed. They and got those big lips and the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, like, is, is the girl the problem? Like, is she the weird one? We don't know. You know? We'll see. Because they treat her like... Um, what was the what was the normal one from the monsters? The the normal daughter in the oh, monsters. Oh, my God. Marilyn. Was she the niece? Marilyn. Yeah, they treat her like Marilyn. Like, they treat her like she's the oddball. Like, like that. It's strange for her to be mortified at the body minute, you know, at the kidnapping and the mutilation and right, that sort of stuff. Right. But uh, it's intriguing, I will say. It Sabella sure is. is is unique. I, I, I can't say that. I, I I can't say that I've ever read one of his works and thought that it was the best. But I do appreciate that he seemingly tries very hard to tell stories that aren't being told in other places. And I give him a lot of credit for that. I don't know that he's had his seminal great work yet. You know? I agree. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, maybe this is that. Who knows? It could be. I mean, we're one issue in, so. Right, right. Hard to, hard to say one by the other, but... Uh... But for sure, he's doing good stuff with uh, a, uh, evolution. I was waiting to hear that. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I'm but but he's he uh, he a third or a quarter of that. So yeah. Um, so, I mean, yes, the the entirety of it is is solid. That that's not to downplay his contribution mm-hmm. to it. But if I would look to something that he's writing solo, right. When, when when thinking of things like that. Do you know what launched today? Oh, boy. <laughs> What's oh, boy? Mr. Media over here. Look at him. Is it hey, the, it's, the DC, o'clock media. DC thing app, whatever the hell it is? DC thing. Yes, the DC universe. Nice. 
Why you sound so excited? Seriously, I'm not down with it. I'm not down with Why? it. Why? What do you mean you're not down with it? I don't need it. Oh, oh, you mean it's not for your personal taste? No. Big no. news though. It's been much anticipated. Huge news. Um, what? What exactly got, is it called? It's called DC Universe. Okay. It is a it, DCUniverse.com, DC Universe app. But I got the alert because I did, like many, sign up to be an early customer. I paid for one year, which got me 15 months. So I I assume like millions of others got an alert today that the app was finally ready. I giddily downloaded the app to my phone, went to log in, and it would not allow me to log in. Oh, that's so, <laughs> a good so, look. Listen, it's a beta, right? I mean, that that's that's not to be unexpected. Uh, I was I was able to log in on my laptop when I got home, so I'm sure they're working on it. I'm sure they'll patch it up. But um, some people seemingly can get into the app, some cannot. I, 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 that's not all that unusual, but it was an annoyance. Um, but they had telegraphed a lot of what we were going to expect, but I still didn't know what it was going to look and feel like. And my first impressions are that. Uh, as a source of DC media, it's well done. Um, it's already got a very rich back library of that. Pretty much any of the animated movies, um, any of the older films, the the older Batman movies, the the Christopher Reeves uh, Superman movies, the older TV shows, your Lois and Clark's, your the Adventures of Superboy. Yeah, they do. Seasons. Yes, they yeah. do. Mm-hmm. It's a shitty uh, Birds of Prey. They have uh, Super Friends, uh, so so all of that's in there. Uh, of course, Young Justice is in there. Um, all the animated Timverse movies. So so right off the bat, it was easy to navigate, find that stuff. I watched a, an episode of Young Justice when I first logged onto the app. It streamed really well. It was fast, no buffering, uh, high quality picture. So I give them props for that. Now the the comic book section is is whacker than whack so far. It's it's for the most part it is it is one or two issues of different series, um, just samplers basically. And I know to be fair they they didn't claim that this was going to be like Marvel Unlimited. They didn't they never said it was going to be that you're going to get access to to most of the DC comics. That was never the intention, but they do pitch it is one of the sections is movies and TV and one of the sections is comic books so I would expect there to be a pretty hefty comic book um, offering at, at some point once they build the thing up um, it looks like they're going to do rotating offerings on the comics where right now it is a focus on Batman so there's all kinds of different Batman stories and books available and I presume Reading Batman year two Vince oh nice go Todd yeah yeah, well, um, well, the covers. Mm-hmm. But but the comics is a little disappointing. And when you log into the app, it tells you when you lo- click on the comics that the full comic library will be available for purchase in October. And so it sounds like they're going to have a Marvel Unlimited type of offering, but it's going to be extra. It'll be run in the app. It'll be extra. You'll have to unlock it. And we'll have to see because this was not... I wouldn't consider it expensive per se, but you're still spending a bunch of bucks a month on a subscription. And I don't know how much more I'd be willing to pay for the comics too, since they pitched this as movies, TV and comics. 
but we'll have to see. You know, it's, if it's an extra ten bucks a year, cool. If it's double the price, then I have major issues with it. Um, but yeah, I I I think this is going to be very cool. Uh, it's to have one central repository of all the DC related media is a lot of fun. There's tons of stuff on here that I will eventually get around to watching. Uh, and they are going to put a ton of new content out, including the, the Teen Titans live action, uh, the New Birds Prey series, the third season of Young Justice, a bunch of other series have already been announced. They haven't launched any of those yet. I think they start in October. But uh, not a perfect launch by any stretch, but I think all things considered, it's going to be pretty cool. Cool. Nice. Yeah. There you the, go. Um, yeah, I was poking around. I, I changed my um, the background on the settings. The, Were you able uh, to get it through the app? Yes, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. It, it took a while for the app to show up in in the app store for me. Um, when it finally did, downloaded no problem. Um, logged in surprisingly with no problem. Uh, I poked around. I started. Um, I fired up. Uh, the first Superman movie, and um, that took a little slow to to start, uh, which ain't no thing. I, my the attraction on this for me is primarily the um, the the video portion, the movies, the TVs, the cartoons. Um, I, I appreciate the comic content, but considering I have so much. I mean, physical to read, plus the Regine in, in my comiXology library. If if I don't use DC Universe app to, to read comics, that's not um, the end of the world. But if I feel like watching an episode of the Batman animated series or um, re-watching Young Justice or trying one of the, the animated movies that I haven't seen yet, it's it's nice that, um, that that's there. So it was, I, was, I was using it basically... I purchased it as, as an extension of, of the streaming services that I already mm-hmm. subscribe to. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, it, there's, they can only be improved on. And, and so far, I mean, they, they came out. Um, I mean, yeah, aside from the comic side, they came out swinging as far as um, the, uh, the video content available. I agree. Yeah. Nice. We're gonna buy it for you for for Christmas, Vince. I don't want it. Save, save your money. Yeah, no, that's what, what, what you're getting. Don't need it. Um, I got another thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna not do another manga till later. I'm gonna go back to. I have two mangas. Um, this was published by Boom. It's a hardcover. 1999. Original screenplay was written by Rod Serling. See, you mentioned uh, Twilight Zone, and and I mentioned Rod Serling. Uh, Adapted by Dana Gould, art by Chad Lewis, with ink assist by David Wilson, color art by Darren Moore, Miguel Muerto, and Marcello Costa, and the cover is by the great Paolo Rivera. It's called Planet of the Apes Visionaries Rod Serling. It's alternating joyous occasion and an infuriating occasion because Serling's 
screenplay was not adapted uh, page for page for the movie. They changed a lot of it. Um, the, sc- the original screenplay parallels Pierre Belay's book far more than the film, but there's constants in Serling's uh, treatment. Zira is still the savior, right? Cornelius is, he still needs to be convinced. Dr. Zayas is, is the, the villain. He's the enemy of the truth. But there's no Charlton Heston in this. There's no George Taylor. The, uh, the hero's name is John Thomas. But the premise is the same, right? They're in the ship. Um, they have a crew of four, one of which is not a woman. I guess Serling didn't think women belong in space. I don't know. Um, but the, uh, the, she's replaced by an elderly man. Uh, and unfortunately, like the movie, the elderly dude's cryotube cracks and he's dead. So when they land, it's just uh, John Thomas and uh, Dodge is, is here. Dodge is, remains, but the other one is, uh, the other guy's name is, um, it's a French name. It's nothing like uh, in the movie. But um, they, they mix in with the locals. They, they, they look around a little bit. The, the, they have their Land Rover. There's more tech involved in the, uh, the spacefaring aspect of it. Like the original ship didn't have a Land Rover. In fact, they were lucky to get out of the original ship alive. Um, in this, the, the ship just touches down. They land. So one would assume that the ship can be used again. Right, so they have a Land Rover and they're tooling around looking at stuff, and they see the uh, the Forbidden Zone scarecrows, right? And they they mix with the the local humans, and one catches John's eye, and that's of course Nova. Um, and it from there it proceeds a little bit like the films. The 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 apes come in, and and the humans are rounded up, and and uh, John Thomas is wounded, like Taylor in the throat. So he can't speak. And and they take him back to the pens and he ripped they, they operate on his throat. They take the bullet out, blah blah blah, and they, they, they get him all, all patched up and in doing so they shave him. And uh the doctor says, I told you not to shave the whole face, just the wound, you know, because they're very afraid of hairless apes, like like Howard. Um but uh John's in his cell and he, he He's increasingly frustrated because he's treated like an animal. Um, and he rips off the bandage, and he, in his own blood, he, he writes on the wall, like, I can speak. But unfortunately, there's a little skirmish, a couple cells down or whatever, and the apes or the gorillas bring out the high-pressure hoses, and they, you know, settle them down. But in doing so, the, the blood washes off the wall. So it's... it's um. It's a little bit before um, the news is out that uh, there is a point where John gets a clipboard from a uh, an orderly and he writes on it, you know, I can speak, dumbasses, I'm I'm I'm, I'm intelligent, and everybody freaks out, um, none more so than Doctor Zayas, right? Because like in the movie, Zayas knows more that he's letting on, and. Um, Zayas wants uh, John lobotomized, and Dr. Zira's not having it. 
at least she's doing everything she can to to not have um, John operated on. And the, for a period of time, the uh, ape academics are very curious about John, and they allow him to speak. And he gives uh, he gives him the whole rundown where he's from and what it's like. And on our planet, you know, um, we evolved from from you, not. We we weren't the animals. You kind of were our progenitors, and we came up, and now you are. You guys don't speak where I'm from, and you don't. You know, you're, you're animals basically. And Zeus again, you know, he doesn't like it. Um, long story short, uh, like in the movie, there's a dig, and they find something in in the in the comic here. They find a human graveyard, and John's like, well, okay, if we were animals and have always been animals. Why is there a human graveyard? And Zaya says, well, maybe some uh, wealthy uh, apes wanted to bury their pets. It's a a pet cemetery. And John's like, yeah, okay. Um, And they're digging around, and they find a a human doll. So that's where it mirrors the movie in that, you know, Zaius discards the doll, and the doll speaks, and the shit hits the fan. And Zaius is just like, he can't can't hide what he knows any longer. Zaius knows that. Humans were once the uh, top of the food chain, and they fucked it up because they're um, – and a lot of Zaius's lines in the comic mirror his his lines in the book. Like he goes on about, you know, the rise and fall of man, and he wants nothing to do with them. And he says, um, you know, man's wisdom walks hand in hand with his idiocy, and he needs to kill and to battle everything around him. It's, it's, it's very similar in that respect to the film, but – there's a point where it diverges, at least in the structure of the, the narrative, where um, I won't give away the ending, but um, Zaius, or uh, yeah, basically tells John to leave. Get the hell out. Go back to your ship. Get the hell out of here. And it goes south from there. And the uh, the final scene, which is nowhere near as powerful as the final scene in the movie, although the uh, the landmark is the same, um, the ending is very very different in in this book. Uh, but the uh, visuals may surprise some people because the apes are not John Chambers' makeup or the prosthetics that John Chambers used nowhere to be found. These apes are, they're apes, mm-hmm. and, and they're chimpanzees, and they're 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 shaggy and rough, and um, they don't have the uh, the that ornate typography that that they used on everything that the lawgiver the, the the lawgivers you know that font that you see everywhere in the first movie that's nowhere in this. In fact, the the there's really no difference between the ape culture and our culture they have buildings and movie theaters and helicopters and and hospitals and and cars like it's it's like pierre boulet's book the apes are basically apes in the guise of humans they they wear belts and clothes and trousers and you know button down shirts it's not that very stylized ape uh fashion that you see in the movies with the the uh, the lanyards and stuff that's n- nowhere you you don't get that um but uh, like zira 
in the movie, Kim Hunter was gorgeous. And even though she had all that, all the prosthetics on her, you could still tell by Kim Hunter's eyes as Zira that she was gorgeous. But this Zira in this book is very rough. She's 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 a she's an ape, you know. And she doesn't walk with a hunch. She they all walk erect, but they're 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 not they're shaggy and they're unkempt and they're just. And it may be a product of the drawing style because the the, the uh, figure drawing is very loose, and I liked it. I think it was great. It's far different. Don't, if you're expecting Carlos Magno or Gabriel Hardman, you're not going to get it with this. Um, and that's a good thing, right? This is more more to uh, to sweeten the pot. But I I thought it was great. It was it was wonderful. Like I said, it was a hardcover, and in addition to the the story, it's longer than a hundred pages. Pages aren't aren't numbered, so I'm I'm guessing it may have been, at one time, uh, considered a four issue miniseries because it's it's a pretty lengthy story, but you get text pages in the back, where the creative team goes into the reasonings why they modeled the characters that they did. Uh, Zayas looks more like Edward G. Robinson than he does uh, Maurice Evans. Um, the the soldiers just have traditional military. Uh, uniforms. They don't have the the gorilla uh, purple and black. Paulo Rivera goes into the anatomy of a cover and then you get uh, various other text pieces uh, centered on notable instances in the book and why they did it. There's an afterword. Like this is a pretty uh, comprehensive treatment. You know, you, you don't only get the 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 story, you get the hows and the whys and the 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 creative team actually interjects and, and tells you everything, you know, this is why we did this. It's different, yes, but this is why we did it. And it, a lot of it makes sense. Um, but like I said, it's infuriating in some respects because the, the, the movie is one of the greatest movies ever made, right? I think so. And I've seen it a bazillion times. So when you're, you're, you're reading these events that are eerily similar to something you've seen a million times, but they take a turn and they're not, they become something other. It kind of like you're shaken because it's like, that's not how it was, but it is in this book, you know? And, and some of the, the lines are there, like uh, John kisses Zira and she says, but you're so damn ugly. You know, they kept, there's those gold nuggets that are in Mm -hmm. the film. There's some of those are in, in the book, but um, if you're an apes fan, you really have to have this. Because it just completes the entire picture of of the journey that Serling started when he wrote the screenplay and what we eventually got in the movie and then the the legacy and everything that comes after. It is a great book. Great. Value price, too. 20 bucks. Bargain. Yeah. Did you order? Did you guys order? No? Uh, well, you know I'm not enough into the apes to for it to be something I would order, but... I can't resist apes. I really thought I did. I checked my order and it seems like I didn't, and I'm really pissed about that. Well, because I remember dog earing it. I remember having it set aside to order. I don't know why it didn't make it on there. You could probably still get it. I mean, you know how DCBS works. Stuff that has been recently published, like it'll still be available for order. So yeah, it's. I, th- I originally solicited. I think it was fifty percent off, so it was ten bucks. Like, how are you? You know what I mean? How could I not get it at ten bucks? It's ridiculous. For sure. Yeah, it's ridiculous. 
Yeah, for sure. Ape not kill ape. And there's, <laughs> not, there's not a whole lot of emphasis placed on the lawgiver. In fact, I, it's minimal. They're, the apes are more bound by uh, Zaius's science, or that's in mm-hmm. quotes, his science. You know, he just wants to uncover or cover up what he already knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool stuff. You, um, you want to hear about the best thing I read this week? What? The very best? The very best. Okay, and I, and I want to give a sh- I want to give a shout out to John O'Neill for turning me on to this because um, it's no secret we've talked about this before. We we are very fortunate to get uh, comped by Image, so we get access to all the Image books. And I generally try and read at least the first issue of just about everything, just because why not? Um, for some reason, this completely missed my purview uh and i don't know why but john o'neill on the slacks was talking about this book and he absolutely loved it and he thought that i would also love it so i gave it a read yesterday and he was damn right Mm. the book is called mcmlxxv yes which is roman numerals for 1975 written by joe casey with Art by Ian McEwen, a fellow Scotsman. Uh, as you might imagine from the title, the book is a period piece set back in 1975. We are introduced to a feisty and quite competent female cab driver named Pamela Evans. And she's driving her fare to their designated spot. And we're getting panel interstitials back and forth between her and and their journey, and a DJ named Prefect Patterson. And uh, for those of you that um, have seen movies of, of you know, black exploitation films or um, movies like The Invincibles, it, it's it's that kind of thing. He's he's narrating. They're they're playing music from the OG. Well, there's their their narration boxes would say he's, he's talking about spinning records from the OJ's and Stevie Wonder and. Uh, and he's he's giving you the beat. He's telling you what's going on in the city over the course of the evening. And uh, as his narration flashback and her cab is confronted by a bunch of mystical ninjas. And I say mystical because they've got glowing green eyes, much like uh, so they're I took it to be like they're demon ninjas, kind of like the hand or something. And uh, so our mild mannered cabbie says, uh, hold on a second. She jumps out of the cab and she starts whooping ninja ass with a magical energized crowbar and she's clearly a woman who is very comfortable beating ninja ass and they clearly know who she is they're there for her they uh they make reference to her and uh knowing of her and uh she she kicks their ass and then she gets back in the car and she goes about her business and drops the guy off and she says this is what you owe me and don't worry i, I stopped the meter during the melee um and uh, and we, we go from there. We get a flashback to when she was a little girl and she's being taught about the, the honor and, and valor of being a cab driver and what a noble profession it is. And uh, it's clear that from that moment that she is, in fact, imbued with a tremendous amount of power. Um, I'm not going to say what I think her powers are, where they come from. Um, but I will say that the, the, the gentleman who is teaching her is doesn't appear to be her father. And, and they do name him. And I think if if based on the name you can you can start making some guesses as to what her history is, um, 
but uh, that will be that was not unveiled in this first issue. I presume we'll find out over the course of uh, uh, of the series. Um, there's another. Uh, she then has to do battle with um, these amazingly drawn Kirby esque fire monsters, which uh, it's no surprise if people know Joe Casey's work. He is an absolute Kirby acolyte, so no surprise that he would throw in Kirby monsters into a story like this. And Mr. McEwen, who I was not familiar with prior to, uh, well, that's not true. Um, I wasn't familiar with the name. And then after this book, I was so smitten with his art. I looked him up on comic DB and he's done a few other issues, most of which, um, have been with Joe. He did two issues of sex. Joe's Joe's comic from a few years ago. I did read those issues. So I I just didn't, I didn't put the name with, with those fill in issues, but, uh, regardless, um, this is certainly his first prominent debut work as the main artist. And I think he's, he's fantastic. It is a very, um, it it is a, it is a, a definitely more of a indie comic line. Um, it's the main character. Pamela is a heavy set black woman. She's, you know, she's not traditional, superhero curves it's just not built like Electra, um but that doesn't stop her from kicking all kinds of ass she uh it wouldn't be a joe casey book without some sexy time there's some graphic sex scenes in the book that uh were quite titillating and 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 were a nice little addition but this is basically a mystical mythological uh angle toward 70s um you know, seventies black exploitation films. And it's, uh, it's, it's got that, 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 that gritty, dirty vibe to it. The art is, is it's, it's, it's dark, but not muddy dark. It's, it's, it's a dark setting. You feel the city. The city feels like a character in the book. Um, you can, you can, you can, you know, you can, you can sense the DJ sitting in his room, spinning the records and putting the needle on the record and this, and him smoking cigarettes. And you can, you can smell the smoke in the air. It's just, it's a book that totally takes you into that time frame perfectly. Um, I know O'Neill made an allusion to it, reminding him a bit of, of, uh, aphrodisiac, which of course is music to my ears. I don't quite see that because I think aphrodisiac is more of a... Uh, overt love letter to 70s comics and 70s film um but but very comic-y nevertheless this is less of this is more on the nose for the era i think it's it treats the era a little more purely um i would say the settings evocative of the deuce by hbo the new you know the series that's going on hbo now uh but it was an absolute grand slam i love it i can't wait for the next issue uh joe casey has has He's hit or miss for me. I'll be blunt. Uh, sometimes his work sings for me. Sometimes it falls short. But this is one of those cases where it sings for me. And uh, having been born in 1974, I, I I don't have a nostalgia for that time period per se. But I certainly am appreciative of that time period because growing up in the late 70s and early 80s, of course, many of the films and the TV shows and the like that I was exposed to from my parents. Uh, and in particular, the music certainly, uh, were, were of that time. So, um, yeah, it was an absolute home run and I don't know why I certainly based on the subject matter and, and the art and the, the writer involved and, and that it's an image comic. I'm, I'm shocked. I didn't pre-order the first issue. Um, but I'm really glad that, uh, we've got a crew of other people that look out for us and we share ideas because, 
he 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 turned me on to this book and and I, I I love him for it because it was easily the best image number one I've read in some time. Mm. I thought it was great. You read it? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. Oh, shit. Yeah, I yeah. I got Did you a talk lo- about it when I was when I was on. No, no. I think. No. It, oh no! Wait, it came out this week, so you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. I think I got a, a Times Square meets. Big Trouble in Little China kind of vibe from it with with Kirby monsters, you know, just sure, sure. In in the, yeah, I, I get it's I, I'm I, I'm gonna sound ignorant here. It's Times Square movie. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't familiar, but uh, no, I thought it was phenomenal. The art's great. The art is the hook for me and the time period oh, yeah. in which it takes place. Um, but yeah, when the Kirby monsters come up from behind the thing, it's like oh man, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's rough. It's 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 um. It's gritty. It's it's yeah. I didn't want to. It's not use, a pretty book. I think it's, it's not, pretty. Yeah. No, I mean not. It's not conventionally pretty. It's 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 not a bunch of perfect tens running around doing battle in in a city setting. It's it's it. Everybody in the book looks real. You know, meaning it, real meaning again. I don't. Real is not the right word. It's not realistic looking, but it's just they're they're real people. The best example is Pamela is a heavy set late 30s ish black woman yeah right she's not she's not a conventional beauty but but she's a badass and she's engaging um i saw someone made reference to her being an homage to pam greer i don't see that no pam greer was a fox well and pam greer wasn't all that thick either no, no, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I'm saying I think that illusion is not accurate. I don't. I don't think that this is. He may have have. I think there's some underpinnings to the character that are reminiscent of a few of Pam Greer's uh, roles, but but it's visually. I don't think that's a fair. Comparison. She's kind of mannish. Yeah, especially the beginning. Yeah, and I, even, I even the sex scene. Her, I mean, like when they're she, when they're when they're sucking face. You really can't tell that it looks like two guys. Mm, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but but um, I mean, she's got a big booty, got, got big breasts. Yeah. They get to see all those, but but uh, but I'll I give, dug the character. I instantly cared for the character, and yeah. I want to know more about her. I give you a little a little nudge. I think the art looks like David Latham meets David Rubin. It's there's a little bit there's some some sequences have a mm-hmm. it's an awesome stray bullets vibe to it like the quieter scenes to me look some of them look like David Latham would do in stray bullets where sure, sure. where the action I, I things are just like balls out all over the place and it it's like David Rubin stuff. Well, listen, I'm you're talking my lingua. I know. <laughs> I, it, it was a very that's very a, that's a wonderful love child. Yes, it was a very, very good issue. It really was. It really was. Somebody just dropped something. What else we got? Hmm. Dan? Um, I'm trying not to... Um, or Vince. So I will. Huh. Um, well, I did read the New World number two, as and and um, I won't go too deep into that. But what Vince said, um, 
off the air. Um, as far as following the first issue, anything you think that uh, you expected to happen in the second issue uh, pretty much did. Although there were some some twists, but there's one thing that happened that I thought happened a lot sooner than I expected it to as far as people um, changing sides. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, but the art is still absolutely fantastic. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go into it deeper later, but um, I know Vince was at the edge of his seat waiting to find out if I felt the same way he did about it. I did read um, a new Vertigo title, the first issue, uh, not this week. I have House of Whispers queued up, but I haven't read it yet. Uh, Border Town number one. Oh, nice. I haven't read it yet, but I do have it. You didn't? Okay. So then no, I won't. No, please speak I'll, on it. I, it's, well, I, I have it's, such a stack. Don't worry about that. Don't, I, don't. Um, I, I dig the idea of it. I, I thought the concept is, is really cool. It's, it's written by um, Eric M. Esquivel uh, and art by Ramon Villalobos, who we is, is a member of Felix's crew. Um, seen his work elsewhere. I may not have loved Ramon's work on Nighthawk. This is a little, um, I don't want to say cleaner. It's, it's, it's not as, um, I like the art here more than I did on Nighthawk. There are, in my mind, but I wanted to say there I have some problems with the pacing of the story. Uh, for example, when when we normally read comics and there's the reveal, it happens at the page turn. And that's when you get your oh shit moment. Here, and it leads me to think that it might be deliberate because um, it's almost like it's inconsistently consistent the the big oh shit moments happen like in the second panel of the page almost of the facing page so it's like you see it coming so it's 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 just there's there's um twice that i noticed it there's one where um okay the story is 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 about this kid frank and frank and his mom and stepfather are moving and uh, are going to live in arizona um Devil's Fork, Arizona, actually. So, um, Frank is your typical, almost seems kind of straight edge, but he, he's just, uh, you know, he's a teenager who's just not real sure uh, why they got to do what they got to do. And there's there's a moment where mom's looking around with the, um, the radio while they're in the U-Haul heading to the new place and uh, something weird happens to Frank and, and uh, his eyes go black and his nose starts to bleed. Um, but it passes and, and he, uh, he Frank kind of just shrugs it off, but uh, we then get the next, we, we, we next see Frank at the first day of school and he's riding his skateboard um, and he meets a rather large, uh, fanny pack and Superman t-shirt wearing uh, 
uh, luchador mask covered um, student who uh, is really upset that the uh, the vending machine stole his money. Frank gives him a buck and says, "You know, don't worry about it. Keep the change." And um, and and the big guy immediately becomes friends with Frank and and hugs him um, and then goes about his merry way. Frank is then met by a skinhead and a couple of girls in in the school are are a little concerned because Frank's a good looking dude and it's like, okay, well, there's this flaw. He just, you know, he's hanging out with the skinhead. Um, So Frank goes to class. The two girls are in that class with him. And it, it, it moves along pretty quickly where they're like, you know, so you just, um, you're, you're, you're not a white power guy. And he goes, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm half Mexican. And he, he jumps up and he screams that in the middle of the class. And that, that, that's one of the other, um, odd reveals is that it happens in the middle of the page. Um, and the conversation just seems kind of not awkward, but it just, it, it's, he's, he's got to grab his seat for class and, and, uh, they're speaking in whispers. And then just all of a sudden out of the blue, um, he just blurts that out. So, um, when one of the other kids in that class tells the skinhead, um, that he just, you know, earlier in the day, dapped up a Mexican, the skinhead punches him in the face. And, and that's the second panel on the page. And it was just, it's the, the scene break was just the skinheads getting whispered to at his locker that his new friend is Mexican. And then the next panel immediate below it is, is the punch to the face. It's just one of those things where it's just like, that's a real quick scene change. Um, but Frank holds his own in a fight. He just, he kind of just, he's like, listen, we'll just, we'll, we'll settle this off school premises we'll, we'll we'll meet it like you know the circle k parking lot actually no here it's the jack in the box after school um so before that fight happens there's something weird going on around town and basically everybody is is face to face with i'll just what looks like to be their fears um, there's, uh, there's a couple of, um, a couple of gangbangers who are, um, marking up the, uh, the walls and there's a giant monster looking dude wearing, uh, an ice vest. So they're, they're worried about, you know, border patrol. There's a woman with her baby, uh, walking down the street. But there's a um, one of the Charlottesville tiki torch khaki and polo shirt wearing neo Nazis, and there's a um, there's a white woman screaming with with um, with her hands on her face, screaming "urban teenager." And it's just a kid with a spray paint can. Um, there's a little kid, or not a little kid, but there's there's a little boy um, on a swing wearing a Batman hat. And this this creature that looks like Bane is approaching him. So um, 
the these creatures all have something in common. They all kind of have the same facial features. They're, they're based. They're all chupacabras, and uh, the whatever's going on in this town is causing everybody to, even though they all look like chupacabras, they're all dressed differently and whatever everybody is is scared about so frank and the skinhead meet at the jack-in-the-box um frank basically makes quick work of him uh the skinhead thought he'd get the um the better of him but frank's basically a ringer uh you know he's not frank basically explains it as he's kicking the dude's ass i'm not dumb you know what happens if I bash your brains out in the hallway on the first day of class? I'll have teachers, guidance counselors, maybe even a parole officer down my throat for the next three years. So I just gotta, I just gotta bide my time and get you by myself, and we and we can handle this. Um, I, um, you know, I, I noticed from experience. My, my last high school had a guy who thought he was king shit of fuck mountain too. I wound up dislocating his jaw, explaining to him that he was mistaken. It's why I was expelled. It's why my mom ripped me away from my friends, from my family, my entire life to move in with her idiot long distance boyfriend. So I'd have a male role model. Um, and I thought Eric did a real neat job of basically letting you know, exactly why Eric is in this predicament all basically on one page while he's beating the shit out of his skinhead. So we didn't get the flashbacks. We didn't get caption boxes. We're just kind of where he's letting, cause, cause there's a crowd around the fight. So he's letting everybody know that this is, this is who he is and, and why he's here. Um, so it's all on the open. No, no, no rumors or gossip or nothing, but, um, after the fight, he's basically like, you know, Nat and I just kick your ass in front of your other white power friends. So you can either just live with the fact that a Mexican kicked your ass or, you know, you could just mm. leave me alone and we're done with this. Um, but then another uh, chupacabra shows up this time dressed as a police officer. So everybody's worried that, you know, he's there to break up the fight. Um the uh, the the mask wearing simpleton shows up to uh, save Frank because the the cop looks like he's um, ready to bite down on him. Um, bullets start flying. The chupacabra escapes, and then the epilogue's work. It's kind of interesting. The, parts of this book remind me a little bit of Maestro's. Um, but overall, I think, um, and the last page was, especially with, with, with the language, because when, when we end up facing, uh, Lord of the dead, um, he, uh, he basically tells one of the little chupacabras that, uh, you fucked up and, and it's just, so it's, it's not really the language you'd expect from some mystical devil beast. But if you were reading maestros and things like that, it, this wouldn't seem so, um, out of the norm but i liked it more than i expected to i I just i gave it a shot just for the hell of it um and i think as far as um what i'm used to from villa lobos that this i think this um suits his style it it, it, this is more fitting for him and Mm -hmm. um i will definitely 
be checking out the next issue. I know that, um, you know, based on whatever print runs are these days, I do know it went to a second printing. It was announced uh, to going back to press, and it's, I think, the first time since 2013 that a Vertigo title, since the Sam Ann Overture book, that, that a Vertigo title has um, gone into second printing. Oh, so, excellent. Yeah, so, so kudos to all involved for that. I, I, I dug it. I, um, You know, there, there's definitely... Um, the message here there's there's some there's some winks and nods and and elbows towards you know, to, to people who um you know feel a certain way about certain people um and i i really i have no problem with that so this this was um this was a this was a pleasant surprise i don't know if every character in this book is someone i'm going to want to read about every month um since we are in a high school i don't know how often um, I'll be annoyed by certain people, but I am interested to see how uh, this this other dimension comes into play and, and mm-hmm. where, um, where 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 some of the mysticism will um, will figure into it all. But I'm I'm I was surprised. I would definitely you know um, it's not my we're not at Junior Travels yet, but I I would definitely recommend Border Town for anybody who. Wanted to um, give something else a try, or, or, or if you weren't sure about it, then um, at least give the first issue a shot. And it, the, the first issue, I think you kind of get the feeling of some books you want to give a couple of issues to to see where it's going or see how you're going to feel about it. I think you'll know with the first issue if, if you want to continue it or not. So it's it's um, I, I think it's it's an easy yeah or nay for you. So give it a shot. Mm-hmm. It's good because he's he's a very distinctive artist, and I think he needs to be on the right kind of work. Yes, agreed. Jason, I have a surprise. Hmm? I have a surprise for you. Oh, much okay. to my chagrin, mm. you probably won't watch my uh, previous video, but I will tell you the the important part. Um, it just came to me. I had an idea. I said, okay, here's the deal. I want to try something new. I'm going to okay. close this previews and open it to a page, and whatever's on that page, I'm going to pick something and order it. Look at you. Right? How many Marvel pages are there in the previews catalog proper? Maybe two, not counting yes. the statues and shit. Mm-hmm. I landed on the friggin' Uncanny X-Men. No way. So I pre-ordered issues. It's a 10-part weekly event. So I, pre- I pre-ordered the first three issues. Yes, it is. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not necessarily a bad thing because you get Mahmoud Asrar art. So at, you get Mahmoud on the first issue. On the first issue, yeah, and others. RV says, Silva on the second, and Ilder Isenar on the third. If I'm yes, mistaken. and Silva's nice. art looks great. I mean, the preview pages that Silva with, has gotten a lot better. He's leveled up in the last couple of years. Yeah, very He's interesting. Very competent. Yeah, yeah, intricate stuff. So I will be reading Uncanny X-Men along with you, at least Oof. for the next 10 issues. Pure fire. Well, it's luck of the draw, right? I landed on that page, and the facing page was were the Miracle Man trades, all of which I own. Couldn't buy those again, right? So Correct. I had no recourse but to order. It's a full page. There's nothing else on it. I'm skippy, baby. Maybe it's Love fate. It. Maybe this. Um, maybe this um, uncanny uh, X Men disassembled is comparable to Avengers No Surrender. We'll see. 
I don't know. Maybe. You never know. But it would. You never know, but that would, makes me all kinds of gid. Right. It would behoove Marvel to put all their eggs in this 10 week basket because X Men need a kick in the, in the tuchus. The tuchus. The tuchus. They do. All right. Um, I, I said I had another manga, and I do. Um, Jay Tomio is well aware of the uh, wonders and horrors of this series. Did you eat them? No. I had three Omnibu on my stack, of which I read uh, Volume 5, Omnibu Volume 5. It is written and illustrated by Kengo Hanazawa, and it's the I Am a Hero Omnibus. Volume mm-hmm. 5, I said, yes. Now, I, I talked this up before. It's a zombie outbreak. It's, it's um, regarded as one of the better um, post-apocalyptic zombie comics uh, for, for good reason. But, I mean, I talked it up before. I won't go into super detail about what I already talked about. Um, but this volume begins very strangely. Um, it's played straight until it's not. Um, it begins with the, the ZQN disease slash virus. We don't know yet. Um, and it's spreading through Taiwan, right? You have a, um, an aspiring female mangaka and an editor of a manga magazine. They have this illicit affair going on. They're both married, but they're both doing the nasty. And they get sent to Taiwan because... Um, a very popular mangaka and writer are going to do a serial in his magazine, but the artist and writer both get sick and they can't go. So this editor and his squeeze go in their stead. And while they're there, um, the, the woman is, is bitten and she, in the, in the midst of turning, she reveals to the man that she's pregnant. And he freaks out. Um, and when he goes, he goes into the, she tells him in a restaurant. And um, he goes to the, the, the restroom and he's sweating. And he goes, that, that lying bitch. Like he won't, he doesn't think it's his because she is married. Uh, 50-50 chance, right? And when he goes back to confront her, she's already turned. And she has, mm-hmm. she has a, um, a tea bowl near her lips and she bites into the the porcelain and her teeth all fall out and she's her eyes are bugging out and that the the zombies or the turned in i am a hero have a very distinctive look they they're not the rotting corpses that we've seen in the romero movies or the they're not even the just the the pasty face zombies in walking dead these are the you get these black veins all over you and your eyes get deep set and you, they're actually a combination of like a spider yokai. They can contort their bodies into these weird shapes and it's it's very strange, very unique to the manga. But um, so she runs after him. She gets hit by a bus. She gets hit by a fucking bus and she doesn't uh-huh. die. She crawls out from underneath the bus. It's very graphic. Crawls out from underneath the bus and she bites the first person. So she's spreading the disease. He runs back to his hotel room. He eventually turns, but in the midst of turning, he starts writing down all these notes. I'm going to document what happens. And he's writing all this stuff down. And the, the last thing he writes down is 
begin serialization of Suzuki's manga. And Suzuki being Hideo Suzuki, the main character of the book. And then it, the, the scene cuts to Suzuki in the back of a car, and he wakes up, uh, uh, and um, the woman he's with, Miss Oda, she's a nurse. In the previous volume, there was a mall-type sequence, and she just tagged along with him after all the events of that went down. So she's like, what's the matter? And he's like, oh, nothing. So you got a 100 pages of what we thought were events in the story, but there, it was really a dream sequence that the main mm-hmm. character of this, uh, of the ongoing I- experiences. But big, big, big picture, um, Hideo has um, a tag along, uh, his girl Friday, Hiromi, and she, is, she has been bitten, but she's unlike everybody else in that she, she's weathering the disease much better. Than everybody else, she seems that like the the outward symptoms of it seem to be going away. She can affect those infected with the ZQN, and and I'll leave it at that. You have to read the book, but she got hit in the head with a nail. There's a nail in her forehead, and she's out of it. She's she's you know sleeping. She's all bundled up, and they're trying to get her some medical assistance. Problem is, all the medical facilities have been overrun if there was it was there was a zombie outbreak what would you do if you got bitten well you'd go to the emergency room well you can't do that can't do that here because you know there are infected everywhere in these facilities so they're trying to get her water to rinse out the wound and stuff and they pass this is where it gets really weird and it's totally Mm -hmm. japanese they pass a vending machine now Post-apocalypse, shit has hit the fan. Society is, in cr- is crumbling, right? They pass the, soda, the, the vending machine, they back up, and Hideo's like, oh, a vending machine, and there's water in it. What do they do? Do they break the glass of the vending machine and take what they want? No, they look for yen to buy <laughs> the things that they need. It makes no logical sense to me, but it's, mm-hmm. but it's, it's entirely Japanese. They are very proper. They're very um, forthright. They, a friend of mine went to Japan on a, a student trip, left her wallet packed with money on the counter. And it was like you when, when you went, when she I went. I was going to say, we experienced that. When she went back for it, that wallet was still there. No one mm-hmm. had touched it. They're, they're, the, the, the morals, at least in that sense, of the Japanese are very, very forthright. Uh, they're 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 stern in their beliefs that you just don't take anything that doesn't belong to you. But mm-hmm. the the reason why Hideo is the hero in quotes of this book is that he's the one who has the gun. And you, you know Japanese firearm laws. You can't possess a gun um, aside for sport and or hunting. You just can't have a handgun or a rifle or a shotgun in Japan. These were a novel concept. It's not allowed. You can't have a sword. You have to have a – and the licensing process, process to get these things are very rigorous. They will not give it to just anyone. So Hideo has a gun, which makes him king of the frickin' heap. He can defend himself. 
right? That's the conceit in this entire series. He's riddled with anxiety. He cannot make a decision. He, he mumbles. He fucks up everything. But he's the hero because he has the gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's a, the reason why he dreamed of begin serialization of Suzuki's manga is because that Suzuki is an aspiring mangaka, manga artist. And he was like an assistant. And he wants to be the big dog and he never got his chance. And then shit hits the fan and he's in a, in a post-apocalyptic zombie nightmare. But mm-hmm. there's, a, there's another thing that really wigged me out. And it's again, it's totally Japanese. They both have to relieve themselves. Both, both Hideo and Miss Oda, and they drive around looking for a toilet. Like, pull over and do your business on the side of the road. They, yeah, right? They won't do it. Hideo can't go in a toilet that's not clean. <laughs> and she won't, I appreciate she, that. And she won't pee out in the open. Like, she has to have a toilet. And, but that leads them to the book's most amazing and disturbing sequence. I loved how they did this. Um, they're, so th- they go to they see a, a vet clinic, right? And before, there's like this little, um, uh, like a, a a coffee shop, sandwich shop type thing. So mm-hmm. Hideo goes in there and he's looking for water and supplies and food. And when he gets in there, there's there's um, a door and it's and it's all boarded up, but it's cracked. And there's something banging on the inside of the door. And he's like, oh, shit. So he loads the shotgun. And something keeps banging on the on the other side of the door. And it starts cracking. Mm-hmm. And, and the crack starts to bleed, meaning this thing is banging on it with something that's causing it mortal a mortal wound, right? And you see these two eyes peeking out. And the, the crack is about, I don't know, about three feet off the ground. And you see these two eyes. And I'm like, oh, this is this is not going to end well. The door comes mm-hmm. crashing open, and it's a pregnant woman. And the fetus, zombie one, the fetus is hanging out Ugh. of her. And it's not a fetus at this point; it's a baby. The baby's head is hanging out of her crotch, and she. Do you, you ever see the 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 cut? cut scenes from the exorcist there's a point in the exorcist where linda blair walks down the steps like a spider but she's bent backwards Mm -hmm. the woman comes after him on her palms and feet like a spider and she gets his his gun hand down with the foot and she inches her crotch towards him and the baby that's still in her body tries to bite him Oh my god! Oh, it's so gross. It's so friggin' freaky, dude. <laughs> and and the baby's like, nah, 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 and he's 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 shitting his pants like anyone would. So he he eventually gets the shotgun, and he he cocks it, and boom! He takes out half of the woman's head. And what she does is, she shoves the baby back up inside of her, and she doubles over, so as he wouldn't be able to harm the baby. It's unnerving and this sequence goes on it's a manga right so the sequence goes on for pages and pages and you get to, and the baby has no the baby has no teeth it tried to gum them <laughs> oh my god <laughs> this is i love this oh my book god. it is so good it's so but like seriously this, this now, when you're reading this i can picture your face i bounce oh, just absolutely dude i bounce up, right 
I, I'm like, oh my god, this is phenomenal. And it, it, it's it's the thing that gets me about this and Gaunt's and stuff. This is not stuff that you see in everyday comics, right? That's what makes it so <laughs> so special <laughs> well, to me. Right? That if you push me over that line, make me see something I've never seen before, a fetus in a womb mm-hmm. trying to bite somebody. I, I okay, check that off the list. I've seen that now. Um but th- there's another uh subplot, there's a cult. Uh the Kurusu cult, and it's a bunch of kids on a message board from all across Japan and they're communicating mm-hmm. like they're all um secluded in their homes they're they're shut-ins but but they're communicating and it goes on forever you actually get to read the messages back and forth like it's in pseudo um chat room the visuals look like a chat room mm-hmm. and it, it it goes back and forth and at one point this kid is is reading it and they're like he's like i'm all alone my parents are my mom's turned she's outside i can't go anywhere i'm running out of food and they're like dude just kill yourself and the kid takes a box cutter and he, he, he almost starts to kill himself and like, nah, we're just kidding. And, and the, the cult come for him and they're just kids. They're kids on bikes with like football and hockey gear on to protect themselves. And they're just – and they're kicking ass. Like one of them, the, I, I believe it's Caruso proper, he has nothing but underwear on. Long-haired, uh, very – he's got the, the six-pack and everything. Um, but he has a nothing but underwear on and a blade, and he's just kicking, he's killing things like like a madman. Kid has a crossbow, um, so you, you get this this subplot of this cult forming too that I guess is going to play out because this is and again, I am hero has spinoffs. There's there's an I am hero, uh, and it's tagged with the district that the, this person's in. Like say, I am hero. Um, Shinjuku or I Am Hero Tokyo. There's like spinoffs of this thing already. It's and it's massive. There's a movie. It's it's. I mean, if you haven't read it and you really want to get shaken, I would start reading I'm a Hero because it is. It's out there, man. And Jay reads it, so you know it's good. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But invest in it. The the omnibus they contain two volumes. It's published by Dark Horse, as was the the Gants. Um, mm-hmm. Two volumes and it's like nineteen bucks. So DCBS, you're paying a little over eleven dollars for a volume. That's not bad at all. Sounds pretty cool. Four hundred pages at least. Love it. I love it. Love it. Where can you get eaten by a fetus? Wow. No. It's. I ask myself that every day. <laughs> all right we we taking it home because we got in your travels and stuff yeah we got in your travel still we do let's get that done we hey do. everybody if you would like to get anything we talked about on this show um and specifically the uh grumble from albatross funny books the middle west number one by scotty and jorge corona from image and the savage sword of conan omnibus from marvel there's only really one place to go because those three books I just told you are discounted 50 and 45%. Like, come on. Where are you going to get that steep of a discount? Well, there's only one place. I'll answer the question for you because that's how I roll. Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. That's the place to go. In your travels. Yeah, yeah. I ordered this solely on the previews. 
images. And they were small. They looked intriguing. I said, eh, what the hell? It's from Dark Horse. Boy, there's Dark Horse Arama this week. It's from Dark Horse, and um, it looks very uh, firmly nestled in my wheelhouse. I'm going to get it. Written and illustrated by Michael Haig. It's a hardcover, oversized, spot varnish on the cover and the back cover. It's called Mammon. Jason, did you order this? I did. Yes. Okay. So I won't spoil it. I won't go into too much detail, but I will say it is a visual treat. And it's not the okay, I wanna I wanna do it justice without demeaning it. Mm-hmm. The visuals look like a self taught artist. And that's a big, big compliment for me. I'm not as I said, I'm not demeaning it. But Haig's approach to texture and rendering and sequentials are unlike most artists' approach in that it, he looks like an outsider artist that decided to, hmm, I'm going to try this thing called comics. There are pages that are just jaw-dropping, but they don't walk the walk and talk the talk like normal like average, I should say, comic mm-hmm. books. It's it's a, and that's why I love it. It's amazing. The 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 title character Mammon claims to be, and Damon Hellstrom's going to have a problem with this. He claims to be the son of Satan, mm-hmm. and he is at odds with Dad because Mammon and his sister and uh, uh, brothers turn to Christianity just to piss off daddy Mm. so they're christians but they're monsters and and mammon looks up this man named um jonathan meeks and jonathan has a substantial amount of land in in the states and mammon wants it for some reason um but jonathan also has an intense fascination with vampires and and immortality. And Mammon says, long story short, all right, under the premise that I'm going to buy this land for you, come on over, I'll get you all the tickets you need to get over here. And now this is like the 1920s, 1930s, so it, there, he didn't get him airfare. This this is train and car and boat uh, travel. So it, t- it took a while. He's like, come on over, we'll talk about it. And while he's over there, he's like, I, I got a, a, a proposition for you. If you do what I'm asking you to do, um, I will grant you immortality. And Mammon's not a vampire, but his sister is. Um, And under the sole premise that Mammon wants to kick Daddy in the ass. He wants to confront his father. But Mammon looks like Nosferatu with a really horrible skin condition and goes around in these red robes it's it's amazing but he's a christian he's he's picking up the sword of christ and it's it's so off kilter and so strange like there are some panels that are just littered with monsters just fantastic creations just when when jonathan comes to mammon's door the door is a corpse 
with its arms splayed open on this textured it looks like something out of hellraiser with its uh, a textures background there's there's skulls inlaid into the door but all around it there's egyptian mesopotamian there's like these these idols in and uh, to creatures there's a spider brain on the wall like why would you go in that door <laughs> you know you come to somebody's yes. you come to somebody's house and you see all these creatures but every panel is fascinating in this thing the colors are atypical the the rendering is like i said far out of the norm but it's gorgeous it's beautiful and it's it it just looks like divine inspiration or or infernal inspiration in this case i i absolutely devoured this thing i i read it multiple times i love it i'm so glad i ordered it um i can't wait to to hear what you say when, yeah when for sure it. it's sitting here yeah i, I, I much like you, I was totally drawn in by the solicit, so. Yeah. And I thought it was your god, Mammon, but it's not. Mm. It's, it's totally, it's, it's, it takes, the, the in, original inspiration for the book was Meeks in the back of Matter says that he wanted to adapt Bran Stoker's Dracula. And he started out doing an adaptation of Dracula. And it, you could get the feeling when it, when it begins that, yeah, okay, I can see where the, the, similarities between harker and 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 meeks they're there but it once you get past the first couple pages it's nothing like like bram stoker's dracula but Mm -hmm. the the spirit is there and it's a great great book pick it up it was only um 19.99 so we got it for i think half that right oh hell yeah yeah mammon michael haig look it up mammon Mammon, how I love you! Oh, Mammon, <sighs> do you want... um? <laughs> what? He was almost in Thinkfish ter- uh, t- territory. That's one of Zappa's concept albums where they they do uh, oh, Mammy. Like there's a yeah, lot of. I think yeah. he was doing the Al Jolson more than he was doing Zappa. Yes, uh, that is true. Okay, <laughs> Ike Willis in this case. <sighs> um. So, as you know, um, Bendis not only is doing the Superman books, he also brought his Jinx World imprint over to DC, and they've been mm-hmm. uh, doing a title here or there, um, bringing things back like Scarlet, giving us new things like Pearl uh, and Cover. And it was something that I decided to try that he did with his Powers co-creator, Michael Avon Oming, and this is United States versus Murder Inc. And um, I actually I, I, I just read it earlier today, um, and it starts off um, about eleven years or so ago, where a girl's father is thrown off a skyscraper in in New York City, and um, what you're not it's it's i liked it and it's it's weird if you if you're a fan of leon or the professional depending on which version you saw uh if you're a fan of that movie there are things in here you will like um there are the the young woman Jagger, she, uh, it was her father 
who was thrown off the skyscraper. I heard she's got moves. <laughs> she uh, she did well, life moves, <laughs> but she um, she ends up being face to face with the person with the man who threw her father off the skyscraper. Um, her uncle brought them together, and uh, for the sole purpose of her exacting revenge, if she wanted to do that. Um, I won't say if she does, but um, we fast forward a couple of years and she is uh, she's basically shadowing her. Her uncle uh, ends up becoming her mentor and and um, shows her kind of how to be a, in her case, a hit woman. Um, complete with the sniper shot from buildings away uh and as we fast forward through through the years uh the issue ends the issue ended kind of abruptly for me i i, I would have liked because I, I think it's only a six issue miniseries um i when the issue ends she's she's older now it's 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 pretty much present day and it's a year ago and she's um and it's the final test to to be a member of of this family and uh the test is introduced and and that's pretty much when the issue ends so after everything else that we've been through in this issue uh i would have liked i personally would have liked to have um seen at least that that chapter or that that arc kind of just close so we can move on um but i i like doming's art in a lot of parts in this issue it's it's a very um open style the coloring is it's it's not necessarily flat um it's monochromatic at parts some of the coloring is 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 weird but it's it's the city so you get the reflection of of, of the lights from uh times square and things like that but the um your uh your colors are, are by Takisoma who's worked with Omic for a while now. Um but yeah well, it's, I, his, it's his wife. Yes. So uh they're um yeah it it's it, it was another book I, as with most of the things I've been reading lately, I had no idea what, what to expect and, and I was Pleasantly surprised. I will. Um, I'll see where the the second issue goes because I want to see um, Jagger complete her her training. But uh, yeah, I, I um, not quite sure where the the title fits in yet. But we'll see if it does or not. But yeah, uh, United States versus Murder Inc. Number one of a six issue miniseries. Right on. In your travels, I got two things for you. Uh, first of all, I, I can't go. I can't go a week without uh, talking about my girl when she comes out. Domino number six hit those stands this week, and it is a monumental thing because it is the final issue of the first arc of the series by Gail <laughs> Simone and David Baldion. Um, we were left with the battle in 
uh, Shang-Chi and Domino were battling many of Shang-Chi's uh, villains throughout the years. And meanwhile, uh, her girls, uh, Crazy Inez and Diamondback, were doing a battle with uh, Prototype, who's one of the two villains of the, of the series. In the last issue, we had seen uh, Crazy Inez basically get gaffled by, I mean, Crazy Inez gaffle uh, Prototype and, uh, and deform him. And so Topaz is understandably super pissed off. So she, uh, she finally comes to a head. We, we get the, we get the, the much anticipated battle between Domino and Topaz. And I got to tell you, I didn't, I didn't see it ending that way. Gail takes all of the tropes of the way a normal comic would be and flips it around because normally, especially in a relatively lighthearted series so far, you would expect her to save the day, make the right choice and move on. But that is not what happens. She, uh, she is presented with a proposition that a trillion hero stories have been have been presented with where the hero is very angry and is considering doing something that they shouldn't do. And their friends say, but you're a hero. Don't do it. And she decides to do it. And I didn't see that coming. Uh, and there are consequences to her actions, not the least of which Shang Chi, who she was starting to hook up with is done with her. He's like, we're, Mm -hmm. we're done. I got nothing for you. And, the arc ends with Domino being in an interesting place because she's she's more like like Logan and and Frank Castle than she is happy go lucky hero and the 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 tone of the of the of the first arc was more in line with a happy happy joy joy wild and crazy adventures and she'll she'll come out of it somehow and and so I, I love that that Gail zigged when we all thought she was going to zag. So uh, huge thumbs up for the first arc. I, I think it's, it's from what I can gather, it's selling pretty well. So I think we're going to get at least another, another arc, which makes me all kinds of good. And uh, yeah. So if, if you've, uh, if you've slacked and you haven't wanted to make me happy, now is the time to go ahead and, uh, and, and catch up or wait for the trade, which I believe hits in a few weeks. And then the other thing I wanted to shout out is the the final of the two shout outs that we um, talked about. And that is our good friend Carl Slominski has launched a new webcomic. And it is called Kiki and the Killbot. And you can find it on Webtoons. Uh, it's uh, a long URL, but if you go to webtoons.com and search, you can find it for Kiki and the Killbot or... You can we'll post the link in our various spots on the internet webs, and you can also if you follow Carl on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, you can you can get a link there. But in, in any event, it is on Webtoons, and he posted the first four um, issues or, or episodes, if you will, uh, today, and it's great. It's a great job. It's it's the story is about a well, it, the story initially is about a young girl named Kiki in a future where they, uh, she's part of a scavenger crew and they, um, 
they they go onto a planet to look for things to scavenge, and they come across a bunch of decommissioned super kill robots. And uh, mayhem ensues, and she is unfortunately left stranded as the rest of her crew gets in the ship and rolls out. And then we fast forward 10 years. She's been trapped. Well, she was trapped on the, on that planet for an, un, an unknown amount of time. And we fast forward 10 years and she's all grown up and she's a total badass now. And who is her sidekick? None other than the Killbot. And, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, I think what's gonna, it's going to be basically her and this badass robot who's got her back having crazy space adventures. So um, I don't know how you can go wrong there. You all know I'm a huge fan of Carl's uh, art style. And you also know that I thought Teeter Topple, his OGN that we talked about last year, was one of the best um, and, and is unfortunately still not gotten the attention it deserves. So, yeah, so give uh, give Carl some love. He's, he's one of the good guys doing good things. And it is, uh, again, it's called Kiki, K-I-K-I, and the Killbot by Carl Slominski, which is S-L-O-M-I-N-S-K-I, and you can find it at Webtoons. Yes. Sounds good. By the way, this is a lock for my my webcomic of the year, because I don't <laughs> I need the first place, so. <laughs> uh, and please, everybody in the Carolinas and the Virginias, stay hella safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know it's not uh, not exactly good times this weekend. So just um, everybody hang tough. Or if you can somehow get to Pat Robertson's place, he's got a dome over it. Jesus gave him, <laughs> yes, Jesus gave got, him the power right. to put the dome yeah, over it. So the... just go to Pat Robertson's place and you'll be safe. Cause, you totally. Know, yeah. We're casting spells now great stay safe Mm -hmm. people all right uh thank you for being here with us if you would like to join us in our extracurricular activities we have a facebook page we got 11 o'clockcomics.com we're on the twitter and the patreon thing patreon.com forward slash 110comics and there's plenty of room for everyone we'll make room we'll push we'll push flippa down well we'll pull flippa a little bit closer to us and we'll make room for someone else so it, the more the merrier join us in the meantime say good night <laughs> david good night david nice musical accompaniment on the on the, the beer tab. <laughs> my Boys. dog done died. My wife done left me. <laughs> oh wow! All right, people, we love you so much. Come back, please. You know Toodle-o. this. Toodle-o-dums. <laughs> <laughs>